Hey guys, and welcome back to Haunted Tales from Suburbia. I am Melinda, and I am doing the introduction today. I know you guys are usually used to Cam. He is here. Hey guys, everybody, and welcome back. And today we're going to be talking about two different locations. One very famous location um, known as Alcatraz in the city of San Francisco, and one probably not so known vacation, but personal to us because that's where we spent our honeymoon. Very romantic. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> A lot of things happened at this place, so we'll see how romantic it was. Um, the first place I kind of wanted to talk about was the hotel that we stayed in in San Francisco. We stayed in at the Inn at the Opera. The Inn at the Opera was this building that was converted into a hotel. It's like a boutique hotel. It's very pretty. It's very cute. It's very chic. Um, it's right next to, I believe, the San Francisco Ballet. Um, and it's next to some other municipality buildings. It only has like a couple rooms. I think it has like 30 rooms in it. I'm not entirely sure. But I wanted to talk about it because it was definitely one of the most haunted places I've ever been. And I was not expecting that on my honeymoon. While we are paranormal enthusiasts, I wasn't expecting our hotel room to have so much action. It wasn't like our first thought for our honeymoon. It was like, oh yeah, let's do a paranormal experience as well. But I just turned into it. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's next to the Civic Auditorium. It's next to um, City Hall. It's just next to a bunch of, like, places that are, like, equal access, uh, walking distance. It's also, you know, next to where you can go see the famous Painted Lady Victorians, all in that general area. Um, a lot of uh, ability to just walk around to different locations so we were really excited because we were going to be able to walk around to places and not have to get taxis because you know it gets kind of expensive over there in san francisco so when we go to check in i noticed that it's just you know this cute little boutique it looks like i would say built like in the 1900s i don't really have the time because like i said it got renovated it was a building that got renovated um and you walk in and it's you know it's it's small lobby but still really cute but the energy in the building in the lobby was a little heavy and i was like i'm very sensitive to energies and i was like okay well this is interesting i was not expecting this so you know we check in and we get into the elevator and this elevator is tiny i remember that and we had these two big suitcases because we're staying a week um, in San Francisco and then we're going down to San Jose to go to the Winchester Mansion. Um, so we get in the elevator and it feels like very like oppressed in the elevator. Like I wanted to get out of that elevator. We were only on the second, no, we were on the third floor. Third floor, yeah, not very high up. We weren't very high up, but I was like, when do we get out of this thing? <laughs> like, I need to get out of this. Or we think, yeah, it was the third or fourth floor. I'm trying to remember now. 
and we get out and you walk into the hallways and they're narrow because like I said this is a renovated like older building so a lot of the things are from you know probably a century back maybe I'm not entirely sure um, a lot of buildings in San Francisco it's, it's are historic, renovated right? a, lot, a lot of historic yeah and so we get to our room and we open the door and I'm like this is cute but I immediately feel just like kind of uncomfortable like I was like coming into like a space I wasn't really supposed to be in but I just kind of like brushed it off because whatever it's our honeymoon we have like a bunch of stuff planned this is where we're staying this is what we booked and the room is really cute the hotel is really cute um the front area had like a couch and a tv and a bar and then the bedroom is behind these double plane glass doors and that bedroom looks out into this alleyway and across the way it like kind of is like almost like this weird u-shape there's other rooms that look out into this alleyway and we go into the bedroom and we put our stuff down and I just kind of feel like really off and it feels a little like uneasy and then the bathroom I didn't like going into the bathroom by myself either it was, it was just a very interesting feeling and then we kind of just settled in and um because we arrived like what in the evening time yeah after three four o'clock yeah so we decide that you know we're tired because we drove from southern california up to you know northern california san francisco which mm -hmm. is an eight hour drive nine hour drive if we had to make stops so we're kind of tired so we decide we're just gonna like order in chinese, chinese food. food so you know we didn't leave the room the whole first night so um we're in the room and we're eating and the lights in the bedroom because like I said it's like glass doors that it's behind um, like a panel glass doors where they have like the wood in between them and we had one of the doors open that opened into the bedroom and me and Cam were eating our nice Chinese food on the table, sitting on the couch, watching um, Big Bang Theory. Because mm -hmm. I had never watched it before then. And so it was my first foray into Big Bang Theory. And so that's what we were watching. We noticed that there's something flickering in the bedroom. And we're like, that's interesting. And there was a light in there that was flickering, um, like a table light. Mm -hmm. it's just table light. And we didn't turn it on. So we have no idea why this light is it flickering. Was, it wasn't even plugged in. Okay, okay so he yeah. went to go check it. And he, he was like, this isn't plugged in. So when he went over there, he actually, Cam, actually ended up getting electrocuted I was, from touching this lamp. So let me tell them. So as Melinda said, the light was flickering. So I go to try to turn it on, I'm turning it on, click, 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 nothing's turning on, so that's weird. So I went down to look where the plug is, and it's not even plugged in. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's weird. So I think I plugged it in, and I went to turn the knob and nothing happened. I'm like, okay, something's still weird. So I'm like, well, maybe the light bulb's loose. Mm -hmm. Well, I turned the light, did the light bulb pop? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I turned the light bulb, and it pop. And I swear to you, it was like an electrical shock went through my right arm, mm -hmm. down into my belly, 
and not out of my leg or any other arm, let's just be specific there, and went out a different part of my body, not in the front, and I've never screamed in so much pain and trauma in my entire life. It felt like someone just kicked me really hard in the privates. And <laughs> and all I heard was him like go, ah, oh, and then I just heard him collapse and hit the floor. Because I, I didn't I was, know what happened. And he was kind of out of it for a minute or two. I thought I was going to have to call the paramedics. I guess he was on the floor. He was like out of it. And literally like the shock electricity went through my body. Just by trying to turn, which I've done before with other things, you just turn the light bulb and it's, you know, tighten up a little bit and it's not supposed to shock you. But no, that one just literally popped, shocked me. I don't even call that paranormal unless it was like a poltergeist, but it just kind of started off everything. It That's what and, started off the weird, is the that weird lamp was flickering, then you called the maintenance. Like, it was a whole thing that had to get figured out. Maintenance even came up and said it shouldn't have popped, it shouldn't have exploded. Well, it shouldn't have even turned on. shouldn't have even turned on. Um, anyways, so that kind of was what set off the rest of the things that happened, uh, for that week that we were there. Um, so that night we're going to sleep, and like I said, it's a double door. Well, when we're sleeping, I get awoken because we close the double door from the bedroom into the little sitting area. Mm-hmm. And I get woken up because I hear the doorknob turning. They had the little two little handle doorknobs on either side. And I heard a like a jingle, like a, like someone trying to get yeah. in. Well, you know, it's glass. So when I look, there's nothing there. I can't see anything. It's dark. But I think I could tell if there was like a person standing on the other or side or something. I think I could tell if there was a person there or not. Um, and I just heard the handles, uh, like somebody was trying to get in and I immediately woke <laughs> Cam up to go and check. Obviously nothing was there. <laughs> and so then he's like, uh, maybe you're just really tired. So I'm like, oh, maybe. So then he checks, he closes the doors again and we go back to sleep. Well, maybe around, I don't want to say like 3.30 in the morning, I hear the handle again. But this time... I see the door that's closest to where you would go leading to go to the bathroom because the bathroom is on the outside of the bedroom. It's that little seating area and then the bar and then there's the bathroom that leads uh, out there in the seating area. And the door cracks open a little bit. Well, I'm pretty spooked out now and so I shoot up and I go over there and I'm like, okay, there is nothing here. Uh, and then I wake him up, and so because he is who he is, he has like his little EVP equipment and all this other stuff. I was stuff. ready. He was ready. Um, so he goes and starts doing his thing. We didn't get anything on there, but I was like, okay, well, this is now two times. First, uh, this door shaking, and then now it's opened a crack. It didn't open all the way, it was just kind of like the beginning of it being open. And, um, that's kind of how the first night went. Did the TV come on too? That was the second night. The second night. Okay, so I'm going to jump in the gun here. Yeah, so then we go out. We go to Chinatown the next day, and we walk around. 
and we come back and I think we ordered pizza in at the hotel because we had been walking around everywhere. Mm -hmm. So once again, we didn't go out to eat. We just, San Francisco is lovely because you can have everything delivered so fast and convenient to your house. It also was some of the best Chinese food I had. Before, before Uber too and everything, what do they call Uber Eats? Oh way yeah, before yeah. That, so. Well, it was bef- it was before that, yeah, um, because those got popular later on. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, um, so we're eating our pizza. We're having a good time. I think later we ordered ice cream too. I can't remember. We went wild. Yeah, <laughs> it was our um, honeymoon, and so we go to bed that night, and then we're sleeping, and it's about two o'clock in the morning, and. The TV comes on, and we're like, okay, like, what the hell? And the remote is on the couch in that little lounge area. So Cam goes and turns it off, and then we go back to sleep. About, like, 25 minutes later, it came back on again. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a wild week. So I unplugged the TV. Didn't come back on after that, though. No, yeah, he unplugged it. Not like those scary movies. Yeah, no, he unplugged it, and then we slept. Okay, so that's the second day. Um, Third day, I think, we did the on-off bus, Mm -hmm. right, around San Francisco, where you can hop on, hop off. That was cool. It was really cool. And then we go back to our room, and we actually do have dinner plans that night. So we didn't stay in the hotel room that late. Um, so we went to, did we go to this? No, we didn't go to the Stinky Rose. No, it was like a little restaurant down in the hotel. Oh, maybe that's what we did. And, um, we go down into the elevator. The elevator freaks me out still. And I can't understand why besides it, maybe it was just very small. Plus all the stuff that had been happening in our room. So then we go back later that evening after we've been around town for a while and we've ate. And, um, that night apparently was bathroom night uh we put our toiletries out and sometime in the middle of the night i heard like a couple things fall from the shelving and we went in there and my shampoo and my conditioner and i think lotion was like thrown on the floor Mm. The toilet paper was unraveled from the toilet. Oh, you're right. That was weird. That was right. There was toilet paper unraveled. Oh, what the hell? Like, someone really had to go. Yeah, (laughs) it was crazy. And I was like, okay, well, this place has never been talked about. So I don't even know what's happening here. I I don't know what's on this, like, what kind of ground we're on. I don't know what they built here. But whoever's in this room is, like, either really excited that we're here or very unhappy that we're like here. followed us from the other adventures? <laughs> I don't know. So basically, um, that, that, was, that was a crazy night that night. But after we went and investigated what was going on, we went back to sleep. And I didn't have you do any more EVPs or anything like that mm. like the rest of the trip because I didn't want it. It was already very active there. I didn't want it to become like more elevated. Right. But the... But the further nights, like, was basically water faucets turning off and on. It was something weird every night. Yeah, something weird. The lights would flicker. The bathroom lights came on by themselves. Someone knocked on the door. We opened the door and there's no one there. Yeah. Oh, it sounded like feet would walk in our bedroom and around the bed, like, multiple times a night. 
it was just a very interesting place to stay and i just thought it would be fun to share with you because you hear about all these other places in these like famous like well-known towns mm -hmm. and these places become lore and legend but you don't really hear about smaller places yeah. and so if you guys want to check this place out it's a you never know you might experience something similar yeah it's called the inn at the opera it's a boutique hotel i don't know if you'll have a similar experience i just know what we experienced there and it was really active um nothing hurt us nothing was like mean it was just i wanted to sleep it let me sleep but only after it messed up the room a couple times well it's also historic because you think of a lot of people in at the opera was because it ranked down the street from the opera house well so yeah famous, the ballet the civic center things so a lot like of that. celebrities famous people that would participate in those things would stay at that location so it could have been that their spirits well, I mean, it's too. a renovated, it's a newly renovated building, um, but you don't know what, what what was there before. Right. All right, friends, so we talked about the hotel. Now we're going to get into another location, and we'll start right there. I don't want to give it away, so here we go. It is going to be an island known as Alcatraz, The Rock. The prison in the middle of San Francisco Bay. You're probably wondering, what does a prison in the middle of San Francisco Bay have to do with suburbia? Well, at one point, it housed over 200 prisoners. Those prisoners came from all over the country. California, Missouri, Tennessee, Florida. Some of those prisoners were even famous. You may have heard of them. The Birdman of Alcatraz, Al Capone, to name a few. It was meant to house prisoners that were the worst of the worst. These are ones that couldn't conform to society's rules, even on the inside. Prisoners from San Quentin to Lemonsworth were transferred here to Alcatraz. They refused to conform to the rules and regulations at other federal institutions. They were considered violent, dangerous, or who were considered escape risks. The average population of the prison was only about 260 to 275. Never once did it reach capacity of 336 at any time. Alcatraz wasn't always a prison, though. In its beginnings in 1850, it was used as a protection for San Francisco Bay. It was heavily fortified, a military site on the West Coast. It was known to have formed the Triangle Defense, which was designed to protect the entrance to the bay. The island was also the site of the first operational lighthouse on the West Coast. It held military prisoners in the 1850s and was used by the military for more than 80 years, from 1850 to 1933. In 1933, it was transferred to the Department of Justice for the use by the Federal Bureau of Prisons. It was at that time they wanted to make it a maximum security and minimum privilege penitentiary to deal with the most incorrigible inmates in federal prison and to show the law-abiding public that the federal government was serious about stopping the rampant crime of the 1920s. The stories have told of many attempted escapes from Alcatraz. Over the 29 years that it was in operation, there was only 36 men, including two who tried to escape twice, that were involved in 14 separate escape attempts. Of these, 23 were caught, six were shot and killed during their escape, and two drowned. There were only five that actually supposedly made it off the island or drowned in the waters. We speculate because their bodies were never found and they were never heard of again. 
It had been proven, though, that at some point, someone could swim from island to shore, as many people have proved it since then. A young girl swimmer made it from shore and back, as well as Jacqueline and two 10-year-old boys. But that's not our story today. Our story goes much deeper, more paranormal. More paranormal indeed. So that's a little bit of a brief history of Alcatraz Island. You guys aren't here just for history, though. You're here for the paranormal mystery. Well, I've got some stories. Did a little digging, a little grave digging, and found some things that I found quite interesting. For example, the inmates that were on Alcatraz, the ones that were in solitary confinement, were essentially stripped naked, put in a cold, dark cell with just a mattress. And every morning, the mattress was removed and it was given to them a night to sleep on. Sounds nice. During the day, they had to sit on the ground on the cold, damp floor. Now they're in pitch black conditions and all they had was a hole in the ground to use the restroom. But that's not the scariest part of the island. It's the stories themselves. One of the stories that I heard that I actually share on my TikTok was in the 1940s and it was told by a prison official who actually worked and lived on the island. This individual stated that the inmate that he had been watching over, those two of the guards were watching inmate and they put him into this cell in the isolation area. The minute he went in that cell though, he started screaming and yelling, saying he saw an evil demonic face with piercing yellow eyes and it was staring at him. He claimed that it was talking to him. He pleaded with the guards. He said, help me, save me, get me out of here. But they ignored him. I guess what they thought was he was just acting crazy, trying to get out of there, go to the psych ward. It was safer there. So they walked away and left him. The next day, they walked into the cell, opened up to check on him. And what they found was not the same man they left. They found a dead body. They said that when they opened the cell door, he was on the ground, almost practically in rigor mortis already. But he had the look of sheer terror on his face. They rushed him away to the coroner. The coroner did the autopsy. And all he had to say was that this man was murdered. How did he know he was murdered? Well, he revealed that he'd been strangled to death. But how? He was in an isolation cell. No one was with him. No one in the cell that was locked. He couldn't have done it himself. He had nothing to hang himself with. The mattress was a tear, it was a tear-proof mattress. There was no clothing. He was completely naked. But the coroner said that he'd been strangled with such force that the pupils of his eyes dilated and froze in place. And his eyeballs themselves were bloodshot 
The guards once again said that there was no one in and out of that cell. So perhaps it was that demonic entity that he claimed to have seen that they left him with. But since that incident, ghost hunters, mediums, enthusiasts have gone down into that cell because they're curious. I'm not, but they are curious. So they went inside and said that immediately they felt an uneasy feeling of discomfort and like someone was watching them. One ghost hunting team actually was quoted as saying that when they started to record, they had an icy feeling of someone's fingers gripping them around their neck. And when they turned around, thinking it was one of their crew members playing a joke, there was no one there. Could have been that creature, that demonic entity, that energy, that ghost. Some people even say it was the ghost of Al Capone. We'll never know. Another story that's popular with the psyche medium community as well as us in general is one by Sylvia Brown. You may have heard of her. She's a world-renowned psychic that passed back in 2013. Before her passing though, she actually went down to the laundry room on Alcatraz, which was known as Cell Block C. She said when she went down that laundry room, felt a heavy presence and the feeling that something truly violent had occurred down there. Well, she wasn't wrong. She began to describe the appearance of a tall, bald man and described his features in great detail. Prison officials and past employees that were there that day were shocked and they proceeded to tell her that she had accurately described an inmate by the name of Abby Malkowitz, who was known as the Butcher. He'd been a hitman for the mob. She had stated to them that this man had a violent death. He was murdered in this laundry room. Once again, she was correct. Maldowitz had been violently attacked in the laundry room by another inmate and was murdered. She even stated that he was a heavy smoker, which made an employee at the time gasp and tell Sylvia that oftentimes when she goes down there herself, she'll smell cigar smoke or cigarette smoke. And she's not the only one. She also claimed that guests that have gone to visit have reported to staff members that they smell smoke as well. And being good Samaritans, they go and they tell someone out of concern. But they're not allowed to smoke on the island. They're not allowed to do to be in that area with any kind of fire type material. It's not allowed of the tool, it's against the rules. So maybe he is still down there. Now speaking of following the rules, not all inmates like the treatment on Alcatraz Island. And as I mentioned earlier, there are numerous failed attempts to escape by prisoners trying to get off the island and play by their own rules once again. Well, in 1939, one story is that prisoner Rufus McCain 
He attempted to escape Alcatraz along with Henry Young, Arthur Baker, and two other men. The men were able to make it as far as the shore before they were caught by the guards. Barker was shot and killed, and McCain and Young were tossed in a solitary confinement. Now, because they were tossed in solitary confinement, Young was pissed, and he blamed McCain for the failed escape. So one night, Young had been plotting revenge for a very long time, and he got, he got it. He snuck out of the furniture shop that he'd been trusted to work with, and he fatally stabbed McCain in that hallway just outside the door. So now, employees and tourists claim, going back to the isolation cell, that they can hear the painful groans of a male voice in cell block D. This is where all three men had spent much of their time. And the thought is that it's McCain still writhing in pain from the fatal stabbing that took place in 1940. His spirit might be there trapped just reliving that fateful moment. We're not sure, but that's what makes it a paranormal mystery. Now, the last story here is that there's no doubt that in any prison, even as one as old as Alcatraz, with a rich history of the housing and the worst of the worst would be full of stories like these. However, one may ask themselves this question. I think we talked about it in the episode with uh, the Sybil Institute with the sheriff. With so much death and sorrow, pain and isolation, wouldn't it be the perfect breeding ground for the paranormal? The more darker inclination? I mean, dark entities have been known to feed on such energy in places like this. And the earlier story, the demonic face with bright yellow eyes, may be exactly what that one prisoner saw before his death that I mentioned earlier. There's also many numerous stories that have been shared by those who worked there about inmates seemingly faking mental illness, claiming to hear voices, seeing shadow people, feeling a dark presence in their cell at night. Maybe they are. Guards would shrug it off as inmates trying to act out, act crazy, get a work duty or end up in the psych ward. But what if they were telling the truth? There's three separate accounts on record of one inmate using a hatchet to cut off the fingers of his right hand and then asking a guard to cut off the other five fingers on his left hand without even flinching. Another inmate froze in place at his workstation and was witnessed by a guard using a pencil sharpener blade and slitting his jugular without hesitation. The third incident involved an inmate climbing the outer fence with the knowledge that he could more than likely be shot by the guards or fall to his death. Well, he did just that. He fell 75 feet to his death. 
And it's stories like these that beg the question, was it mental illness these inmates were suffering? Being isolated on an island, away from family, away from friends, nothing to look outside at except for ocean and the bay that you can't ever get to? Or is it something supernatural, more evil, more malevolent, that's feeding on that energy lurking on that island? I mean, it's no wonder Alcatraz is one of the most popular hotspots for paranormal activity. That's why I wanted to go there. That's why Melinda and I wanted to go there. Check it out. Not just for the history, but for the paranormal mystery. If you ever go to San Francisco, I recommend checking it out. I definitely would recommend it, and you would not be disappointed. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Haunted Tales from Suburbia, a little bit of haunted history, and some paranormal mystery. Thank you for listening, and happy haunting. What is it?